Welcome back to Global Supply Chain Week here at Freightways. I'm John Kingston, Freightways Editor-at-Large. The oil field equipment industry has long had pretty much the same supply chain. A manufacturer would make a part or a piece of a part or a piece of equipment. It would get sold to a distributor, and then a distributor would sell it onto the oil field service provider that needed that equipment. With the middleman firmly in control, that's exactly the type of setup that e-commerce is primed to disrupt. And that is going on with a company called GoExpedi. Go I got to make sure I pronounce the, get the pronunciation right. GoExpedi. It is based in Houston. It grew rapidly on the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing companies that came out last August. It was number 675. Its CEO and co-founder is Tim Neal, and he's joining us today from Houston to talk about the company, what it does, and its history. So, Tim, I know that my introductory remarks uh, were kind of painfully simplistic in describing your company. In particular, I focused in on the oil field equipment business because that is what I first knew of uh, GoExpedi. Uh, but a trip to your website makes it clear that you are much more. So why don't let, let me give you the stage and you can talk about what your company does. Perfect. Thank you very much for having me on, John. It's a pleasure. And really what GoExpedi's focus on is disrupting what you mentioned in kind of this brick and mortar distribution world. And our key focus is making sure people get the right parts, they get it quick, and they have full data transparency behind that. So while we are large in the energy space, it's not just that industry alone. We're really focused on remote industrial supply chains. So that's anything that requires assets operating on a daily basis in a remote location. So it's the construction industry, utility, maritime, util or um, solar, et cetera. We're really focused on these industries because we see the same pain points. People are in a need-based market. They're trying to order products to keep their assets running. But what they find is a lot of inefficiencies with emails or phone calls trying to just get their products. And so we built a tech-first platform from the ground up to make sure people can order products very efficiently and get full delivery with notifications on when their parts will arrive. So really, it's about getting ahead of your supply chain challenges. Give us a little bit of the history. That, that That's the, the value proposition. But what were you doing and what led you to, to create this this new company? Yeah, so it, the kind of thesis around GoExpedi really originated from my experience building drilling rigs as a manufacturer who sold direct to the industry. Our COO was a service technician who ran global service teams. And really what we found was customers are the ones suffering. They're having to go through these kind of antiquated processes. And we were the manufacturers who had to deal with the phone calls and the emails. And we woke up, you know, and said, there's a better way to do this. And so that's really what led us to just saying, you know what, we're going to do it ourselves. We'll get in the back of a pickup truck, build the technology and build out this business model that we believe will work for the industry. So uh, first of all, I want to give uh, the audience full disclosure. Uh, Tim Neal's father, Larry, I believe is a co-founder, right, and still a shareholder. And Larry Neal uh, was the president of Platts, where I worked for almost 30 years, and Larry was president uh, for a while. So actually, it was kind of through the Platts grapevine that I that I heard what you were doing. That was my kind of first introduction to Go Expedi. So you keep talking about building out the technology. So I gather the first thing you did was not kind of secure warehouse space uh, or deals with OEMs. Uh, or I don't know if you call these people OEMs, the people who build the the parts. Um, you, the first thing you did was draw up the technology, create the technology to make this work. Why don't you talk about that? Exactly. So basically what we did was, if you look at, you know, ordering from a traditional distributor, they have a catalog, basically that's their inventory. 
we took a different approach. We said, what is the world of manufacturers out there? And manufacturers historically operate on these big PDF catalogs. We digitized the industry's PDF catalogs and built an e-commerce platform for our customers. So no longer are you making a phone call, somebody in the back is checking these SKUs for you. We put that in the hands of the end user. It's visually guided so you can see the products that you're ordering in real time. So you don't have this ability to almost order the wrong thing because there was something misspoken. That's really where it started. And so that's the first thing that we built before we got any warehouses, before we ran any trucks out in the field. We start with that technology. That's evolved into a multi-product platform now that really allows people not only to order, but have machine learning that tells them what they're going to need to order at the field level, which really is kind of their critical need. I need the right products and I need it quickly. But coupled with that, we have a management control center that shows supply chain managers, corporate office staff, what people are buying and gives them skew level visibility in real time. So they can react to their business in real time rather than waiting on their data to be reconciled in the industry by their finance teams. All right, we're going to talk about that a little more. Let's go back, though. So you say you digitized the manufacturer's catalogs, which were essentially a PDF primarily. That was their big technology. What was their, did you have to approach them? Did they have to agree to this? Did you need to establish relationship with those manufacturers first? And then you could proceed. So you might have had great technology and great programmers and everything, but you needed that buy-in from the manufacturers, correct? Definitely. Yeah. So a lot of those are public domain kind of manufacturer catalogs, but we, we took an approach similar to Amazon. We started with books. We started with very specific product categories and built out our product portfolio until it's in everything in one place storefront. So we really started with manufacturers um, that we know are respected in the industry, built relationships, relationships with them and started moving their products. Then we would focus on the next product category. Today, you know, if you want anything from uh, eyeglasses to a hydraulic hose, you can find that on our platform. But if you look kind of over the last six years, it's been an evolutionary growth there for us. Right. And how, how uh, fragmented is the supply chain for this in terms of the number of manufacturers? Are there any that are just dominant, uh, maybe two or three that are dominant? Or is this one where nobody's really got a huge market share, which would mean for you, you've got even more people you ultimately have to sign up to be effective? Yeah, I think there are two keys to that, and this is the reason distributors exist, is they're essentially aggregators of products in the industry, because one typical order that we might receive from a customer may include 12 different manufacturers' products. So it's very much a distributor might have a stronghold in this specific product, but there really isn't one that has products across the needs of an industrial asset that's running. So this is something that by being able to digitize basically the industry's manufacturer catalogs and provide availability of these products, it's a big selling point to the industry. The other big one is we're not just subjected to what is on our shelf. Typically, distributors will have, here's the brand that I carry. You're going to order this brand. If you want a different brand, go to the other manufacturer rep for that. We offer optionality. So somebody can compare whether it's a Milwaukee or a DeWalt in real time and make that decision themselves. It's really putting the, the purchasing decision rather than from the distributor's hands onto the customer because they all have different value drivers. As you grew, the O-line distributors, the kind of bricks and mortars distributors, and we're going to point out later that you have some bricks and mortars too, but that wasn't your, your basic foundation. How did they react? Uh, did they try to up their technology game? Have Do you find that the presence of a Go Expedia in the industry now 
uh, has resulted in a lot of these people doing business differently. I, I'm going to guess that a lot of these places, they, they knew a change was coming. They just weren't sure where it was coming from and when it was going to come. Exactly. Yeah, and we've noticed that, especially as we really made inroads in the energy sector, we've seen distributors very much maintain territorialism. And especially as it comes to earnings calls, you see the frequency of technology conversation um, really coming up a lot more. It's even being asked in the Q&A. So you're seeing that kind of shift of, I need to focus on technology because this is where the industry is going. The really important thing for us, because we had been those distributors and those manufacturers, is how is an organization set up? We're set up in an efficient manner from the technology that that really leads the way, rather than overlaying technology and still keeping your core business structure underneath. And just like how you could look at um, the movie industry with you know, the blockbusters of the world and the Netflix comes along, it's about how do you set up not just the technology, but the organization under the technology to get the true value to the end users there. How many people work for GoXpedia now? We've about 150 people today. Right, so a good number. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by what you said, but you made the analogy to Amazon. And it's true. When, when, uh, when they started, what they wanted to do was first sell a product that you knew you were getting a quality product. In this case, it was a book. A book is a book is a book. Um, what were some of the products that you found in your field that met that criteria? We, we started with the mud pump um, segment of the market because in the drilling sector, that's a critical product um, where if you don't get product supply, it will jeopardize the downtime, which can cost anywhere from $30,000 a day to $400,000 a day and lost revenue for a company. From there, we really focused on general consumable items. So what are the daily things people interact with? Safety supplies, their tools, and really built out there and took a approach of outlining what is the capital equipment and what are the key spares that people need for that. So you kind of go one by one down that list until you have the whole picture of the asset. Right. And eventually, I gather the uh, the products you're dealing with now are more specialized in these sort of generic commodity-like products in the beginning? Yeah. We still sell the commodity products because those are still needed in the industry, but we also built 3D configurable tools to help people buy these specialty items and alleviate what was a two-week kind of three bids and a buy sales process. They can now visualize and order that while they're also ordering their toilet paper or their water from us. All right, let's talk though about at what point did you get into bricks and mortar? Because this is you're not a business that's like a broker. It's not like you're just brokering a sale between a manufacturer and the company out in the field. Uh, at a certain point, you're taking possession of it, and then you're further uh, distributing it. Distributing it on. When did you add the brick and mortar? Did you really? Did you realize from day one you were going to have to do that? Yeah, it was something that we realized very quickly. On the number one value driver that somebody has is the time variable. And so, if I order a product from you, you might have a great technology, but if it will arrive in three weeks and everybody else will deliver in two days, there's not a lot of value to me. So we want to control that element of time because that ultimately is the service quality and mitigating downtime. What we did a little differently, though, is we don't run 2,000 locations in the U.S. We don't run 200 locations in the U.S. We have six, but we have 97% coverage of the U.S. market with 100% orders in under four days. And the way that we do that is we operate a hub-spoke model rather than a branch-based model. So we, I mentioned the technology to the customer side. But in our ERP systems, we do all our own custom development with 
AI to see what products move at what velocity and what market. So it's really about just in time and having the products available when customers will order, will order that. So the way you can think about our footprint is making sure, because earlier I mentioned an order might come from 12 manufacturers, that we can consolidate and rapidly get it out to our customers. Um, the uh, you know, I noticed when I went on your website, uh, I looked under careers, and what pops up, of course, truck driver jobs and warehouse worker jobs. You know, like like every other company in America that's looking for this. Um, this is uh, you know, you can do all the technology you want, and at a certain point, you know, the business depends on that. Uh, have you had particular difficulty? If you have, you're not unique hiring workers like this and has it slowed your growth at all i think we've been able to get in front of it we have a dedicated recruiter around truck driver jobs warehouse jobs and that's something that's really important in today's world because everybody's facing it if you look at odessa texas unemployment i believe there was a stat from november it was 0.6 percent which is the lowest since 2004. so it's a very tight labor market and you need to make sure you constantly have a pool of available labor so that it doesn't put you at a disadvantage because the worst thing that can happen is you have enough goods for 10 drivers but you only have three on staff so your customer will ultimately suffer so we've taken a big company-wide approach to making sure we always have pipelines available and we keep a key focus on that element of our business so you so you own trucks i assume you have a fleet we have a fleet of trucks as well and then we also use third parties okay and what's the what's the range from these various warehouses how far would you call upon the drivers to go are they going out overnight at all or is this all pretty much able to get done during the day so seldom do we do kind of long haul overnight trips um, we usually displace that to third parties and have a network there for that what we run is our locations are strategically located to our customers and these other markets that i mentioned so Within a 200-mile drive, they can cover 97-plus um, percent of our customers that we service. I know we, so we, in, in my introductory remarks, I, I mentioned that it was oil field equipment that uh, GoXpedia was based on or started on. Uh, but when you go on your website and you talk about other areas like manufacturing, clearly you scaled this model up. How much of your business's traditional oil field equipment service and how much have you scaled up into other areas? So we're just around 90 percent energy. Um, so that includes the downstream, midstream, and upstream sectors. That was our first market that we were in. Um, in 2021, we started going into these other remote sectors, as I mentioned, construction, maritime, utility, and the solar industry. So that's our fastest growing segment of the market, but it's a relatively new market for us. All right. Now, you're a VC-backed company. Um, you took on some new funding. I believe it was a little over two years ago. I haven't seen any other announcements about new funding. Um, are you? Do you find that you've got investors banging down the door to get in? Yeah, we've successfully um, raised six rounds so far, which has really allowed us to continue the growth and the investment in the business. Um, and that's something that's really important rather than having to you know, do this over a 10-year horizon when you try to service a national customer. Um, we're able to quickly bring on those customers. So it's been great having kind of the VC backing um, that we do have. Um, and so, you know, right now we're we're building a sustainable business that um, it's not relying on VC money to come in the door. It's we built the platform, we built the infrastructure that we need. Um, so we're able to service these large accounts that we've recently brought on. Do, do you resist the idea of being called an e-commerce platform? You know, the term e-commerce is such a catch-all phrase. Uh, I mean, it's it's become 
almost meaningless. I'm not really sure when e-commerce begins and when it doesn't. I guess if you can order on a website, it's e-commerce. I don't know if that's the definition. But would you describe your company that way, or is it is it does it really need a more complex description? Yeah, it requires a little bit of nuance because e-commerce has become a catch-all. A lot of people think e-commerce and they think, here's a picture on a website and I just order and that's it. We're really a supply chain and data analytics platform because you're able to, yes, order a product based on a picture, but it also has machine learning so that you don't run out of water in the middle of Odessa in the summer. We know how often you're buying and we tell you what you're going to need coupled with your live data. So it's really kind of a suite of software solutions that yes, e-commerce is some component of that, but it's a lot more deep um, and robust. And you say, on your website, you say that your average delivery time is 2.5 days. And I always have to ask the question that journalists always ask, compared to what? I mean, how much have you sped up the process if, if it's 2.5 days compared to say 10 years ago or five years ago, whatever you, comparison you want to make? Yeah, so if you look at, this is, our metric is 100% order completion. So the last product that arrives kind of marks that date. Um, typically, you'll find in the industry, people will deliver 100% order in 7 to 14 days. You might get a couple products in 1 to 3 days. But when you open that box, you realize that two products aren't in there. So you're chasing the distributor, trying to find out where this backordered item is. For us, what we like to do is we show all of your orders on a dashboard. So you know what is backordered. If you say this is too long of a backorder, you can have the choice to buy from somebody else. We don't want to jeopardize somebody's supply chain. We want to provide them real-time visibility. So what we've been able to do, and it's especially in the quoting process, that's where the longest time inefficiency is. Because if I'm quoting 100 line items, I'm going back and forth on email talking about what back-mounted gauge I want. Your catalog is specific to your asset as a customer. So it has the back mount gauge on there that you need. That saves a ton of time in this process. Uh, are there any manufacturers who are still holding out? Uh, or do you, I, I don't know, you, you would ever describe yourself as done because as we noted, you're scaling into other manufacturing processes. But let's just take the oil field equipment. The major manufacturers, are they kind of all on board with you? Or do you find that there are some who say, I don't really, I'm going to take care of my own supply chain? We have a couple product categories we're now entering into um, that we're focused on, but the product categories we serve, um, we largely have the major manufacturers and the major brands because of our blue chip customer base right now that we service. So it's it's very important to manufacturers to be on our platform because if they want to sell to any of the top five drillers, that's coming through our platform. And so it, it kind of creates that pull into our business. Um, we do not focus on the CapEx side. That's something that manufacturers will still do direct. But all of this indirect spend, um, we're largely a facilitator for that in the industry. Okay. I have time for one last question. So uh, you entered the supply chain. You're definitely a supply chain entrepreneur. I would call you that, uh, well, among other things. I think that's really the best description. What have you learned about the supply chain that you found the most surprising? So the biggest thing I've learned about supply chain is you need to be ahead of the industry. The industry is going to cur throw curveballs at you. You'll have random disruptions. Um, and that's something that if you have kind of the agility in a business, the ability, for example, we shifted to COVID supplies overnight and built those manufacturer relationships. And then we're able to shift back. I think the you need to stay hungry. You need to stay nimble. Otherwise, you're going to be caught flat-footed in the industry. I think also to that same vein, 
customers vary in terms of their need. Availability is the number one key that I think the brand is actually getting a little lower right now with these ongoing supply chain worries. So overall, nimbleness and aggressiveness are the keys to winning in the industry. Did the pandemic help you or hurt you? Obviously, it hurts everybody to a certain degree, but did you feel you came out stronger from it? Yeah, we tripled our business during the pandemic and um, brought in some super majors and others who use our dashboards. The biggest thing for us was, as I mentioned, being nimble. While our oil field supply business remained somewhat stagnant, we were able to get direct N95 access, hand sanitizer access. We provided the products that our customers needed during that time. And then we were able to ship back as the market picked up. So um, to my point about that, it's really riding what your customer needs that wave rather than saying, hey, customer, this is the products that I'll sell you. Tim Neal, CEO and co-founder of GoXpedia, which has really been disrupting the oil field supply chain system down there and out of Houston, but all really all over the country. The, the oil patch is large and growing. Uh, we want to thank Tim. Thank, thanks for joining us here today on Global Supply Chain Week. All right. Thanks for having me, John. So you have been watching uh, another edition or another uh, part of or another segment here on Global Supply Chain Week. I'm your host, John Kingston, and please stick around for the next interview.